Hi everyone, and welcome to episode four of Design is Not Neutral. Today's episode will feature a conversation with Eric Carter. Eric is a graphic designer and art director running an independent practice based in New York City. He's previously worked as an art director at Google, a senior designer at MTV, an art director for the New York Times, and as a designer at the office of Paul Serre. His clients include The New Yorker, The New York Times, Verso Books, and New Directions. He is currently a visiting professor at Pratt Institute and has taught at the California College of the Arts. He also writes about typography, color, capitalism, chaos in his newsletter, Design Harder. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Thank you. Hey. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Well, I wanted to know a little bit more about like your background and I know you're, you're currently a professor. Yeah, I teach at Pratt. Yeah, I'm like a visiting professor. Okay. So what um, caused you to get interested in teaching then? Yeah, I mean, I think teaching was always something I kind of wanted to do. I didn't necessarily have it as like a career goal per se, but I felt something that would make sense with my practice. My first teaching gig was at CCA in San Francisco. And basically they just asked me if I wanted to teach like a motion graphics elective. And Mm -hmm. I said, yes. And that's kind of just how I got into it basically. And before then I'd done sort of like, I'd like ramped up to that by doing like, I'd done workshops and I've done, you know, I've been like visiting, I've been like a guest crit critic, Mm -hmm. my friend's classes and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. I was looking for more research and more writing on design being built in capitalism and rooted in capitalism and kind of like the issues that stem from that. So what I first read from you was the, do you want typography or do you want the truth piece mm-hmm. that you wrote? And then um, subscribe to your uh, substack from there. Nice. Um, and uh, a lot of the things that you said spoke out to me and I really was interested in talking to people that were also educators and kind of researching this because I wanted to see how they're implementing this into their classrooms and into into actual practice particularly you know obviously the lack of diversity that we have in design history and even the way the canon through which we teach design is mostly, you know, European white men. So I was wondering, I guess, to like kind of start the question is how, how are you implementing this in your classroom and, and what does your research kind of like led you to do differently when you're teaching? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I think it's probably one that I should be asking myself more. <laughs> uh, I mean, cause I, I'm relatively new to teaching. Like this mm-hmm. semester is the third class I've ever taught. Mm-hmm. And uh, as someone who's so green at it, there's a lot of things I have to figure out before I feel like I can, you know, do the best job that I can, you know, mm-hmm. such as like, how does uh, Canvas software work or things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think like, yeah, the last, I mean, when I taught, the first class I taught, I taught motion graphics history, um, mm-hmm. which was not like a requirement of me to teach Mm -hmm. and yeah in that I tried to like you know show diversity in terms of people who you know I taught you know what I mean like in terms of like historical figures over time uh you know not you know trying to sort of rewrite the narrative you know away from being um so homogenous 
And yeah, and I think at Pratt, there's a lot of mandatory readings that you have to do. And I think a lot of them, are, a lot of them are actually pretty great. And, uh, you know, like my, the last class I taught was about communicating with images, which is like sort of a really interesting um, kind of foundational level class about that very subject. And yeah, a lot of the readings that we were assigned were actually really interesting and like, you know, just kind of forcing my students to think about like, uh, you know, what it is that they're communicating um, and sort of what kind of culture that they're communicating, um, you know, who they're communicating for. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, just like all these different sort of tools that we have as like visual creators, um, they all kind of end up meaning something and are culturally, culturally relevant in some way. So just like forcing students to sort of think about that, I think is like a good ground level, um, you know, in terms of, cause I feel like a lot of, uh, a lot of graphic design graphic designers and like graphic design culture is about like doing cool stuff and getting cool clients and like mm -hmm. you know making stuff look nice which i think is fine um i mm -hmm. think like exploring beauty is like a very valid uh practice but i think um a lot of times a lot of people aren't like sort of questioning who it is that they're working for and why it is what they do yeah so just like kind of forcing my students to at least reckon with that a little bit yeah. <laughs> so like trying to like make them better graphic designers um is what i'm trying to do and yeah and again i'm, te I'm teaching uh, a similar motion kind of graphics class now but like on a sophomore level and yeah i'm doing the motion history teaching thing again um but i mean i think yeah it's like interesting because it's like motion graphics and animation is just like a subsect of graphic design where it's like mm -hmm. you know and it's like I don't know how prejudiced you can be with like keyframes, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Or like speed of, of something. So like frame rates, you know what I mean? So it's like a lot of it's just like technical, you know, yeah. how to animate. Um, but then at the same time, I'm doing like the history stuff and we have readings. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I could always be better. You know, it's, it's always, it's always an ongoing practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I teach intro to graphic design right now. And it's the same thing. It's like, trying to integrate some of this into the class, but at the same time, like they have to learn all the software. <laughs> so right. there's only so much time for everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's interesting too, cause it's like, uh, I sort of scratched on it a little bit in that Adobe newsletter. Like, I think the software stuff is very political too. Like I think um, yeah. software is extremely powerful, but like, uh, you know, I mean, I think, graphic designers should still learn how to draw and <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean all these other sort of foundational skills that I feel like they kind of end up skipping by like dumping into jumping excuse me yeah. into Adobe stuff yeah I think I I would agree with that and there's an issue the way classes are so structured around the software um and less on like foundational design I guess but um or like drawing um like, I'm not sure what your undergrad was like, but I had a class for Illustrator, a class for Photoshop and a class mm -hmm. for InDesign. And that was like VCD one, two and three. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I like missed it because I did a weird thing where I did uh, design and technology as a foundation, which was just all computer mm -hmm. stuff because I was just more comfortable. Like, I didn't really want to like draw still lifes of fruit, which was maybe me being like, uh, I don't know, kind of stubborn like I kind of mm -hmm. wish I had more trying foundation yeah. um like these like six hour long like nudes classes would probably have actually been good for me but um yeah I think in that program I missed 
being forced to learn flash by like a year and flash is like we all know is like totally dead now so i think it's like interesting because like at cca they have this like digital tools class Mm -hmm. and that was that was to learn adobe products and it was started by adobe like it was literally all adobe employees like started it so i mean i could be don't 100 quote me on that but allegedly (laughs) allegedly so it's like it's it's kind of interesting because it's like what i try to teach my students is that um because i do especially like motion graphics i teach after effects and like this semester i'm technically don't have to but i think i'm going to a bit Mm -hmm. um just because there's like you know certain best practices but at the end of every class uh at the end of every semester excuse me i'm like i say the tools are constantly changing. It's all about learning how to learn the tools. Yeah. You know, I'm someone who like, I lit like I watched, I watched like three tutorials today. You know what I mean? Just because I'm like out of my element with a lot of this 3D stuff. So it's like, that's what I really like about doing this kind of work is that I'm constantly learning. So I think it's really important to teach students that, um, yeah, like sure, like in the short term, like learning all these things will like help you get a job and like learn all these sort of skills. But like, in the long term, it's really important to just know that like the ground beneath your feet is constantly moving and learning the small hand, the small like number of tools like is 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 not the point. It's all about like learning how to think inside these tools. I did a lot of like garage band and like iMovie when I was like in high school. And I feel like that is like why I got good at After Effects. You know what I mean? Just because I knew yeah. how to like move around the timeline, you know? And yeah, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, I think um, for a lot of us that are not, I wasn't like pre-Adobe, but like we definitely didn't have design classes at my high school or like the resources to do so. But, you know, I was doing these like weird collages on internet apps, basically. I don't even remember what it was, but like <laughs> you were able to to make like collages and that was my first design thing um, or like Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, very, um, yeah, very cool. I love that. Yeah. Speaking of like design or Adobe being kind of a money grab or political, do you, so you probably not in motion graphics necessarily, but in terms of like design, there's a lot of people that are believing that design is political, which is what I believe too, but is quite controversial. I'm learning like people, people want to see it as, as something very neutral I guess it's less of a question, but you... <laughs> is this unpolitical? <laughs> was mean, that I think ever it... like expressed to you in in your classes in design school, or ha- or was it ever brought up before? I guess recently. Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, mm-hmm. I think um, it was interesting because, like, I went to school in like 2007, like in. Mm-hmm. undergrad to like 2007 to 2011 okay. um graduated in 2011 and yeah like infographics were really cool at the time um yeah. see, uh, on video you have a giant infographic behind you and I think we're, like we're like yeah but I feel sometimes like design schools like 10 years behind still you know like infographics yeah. are still really hot here yeah like Edward Tufte yeah. and I feel like that's like a way for like graphic designers to feel like they're doing something yeah. with society I don't know where it's like look we're making data more readable to people and like this is gonna um I don't know save something I don't know and I think like (laughs) like and I was just kind of like this is I can't with this you know so it's like I think uh and then 
you know, then, then there's like the other side of things where it's like, where that's like sort of the more like, I don't know what the right word is, like scientific, like data way of being, feeling useful. And then there's like the other, the other side of things is like political posters where, you know, this like sort of political messaging done through mm -hmm. graphic design. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on how you define political, but, um, you know, the easy answer is like everything's political, like all design is political, you know? Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think the way I think about things is it's always like you're sort of producing some sort of messaging, you're communicating something um, in some sort of cultural context. And I think um, understanding that cultural context and understanding what the message is that you're communicating, if you are intentionally communicating a message, which I think that's where maybe like veers into art, you know, um, I think yeah, I think there's always like more obviously political design statements that are like sort of more agit pop type things. But mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, this, all design is like political on level, political on some level, I think, because it's always going to be tied to some sort of form of culture, I think, um, and some sort of like context. Yeah. Of, in society, you know what I mean? Even if it's like a startup logo, you know? Yeah. Like, you know? the it's tied to a startup which is like has its own political <laughs> influence yeah. in the world you know yeah I think it's interesting the way we teach design and the, like the the kind of like psychology that we teach when we're teaching it it's so focused on like the way someone that grew up in the U.S. would read something when right. we're designing something which is obviously serves the purpose but I, I think it's it's fascinating like even an infographic someone might not it might not be as effective somewhere else yeah I mean the the what was like really interesting to me and like in when I was in school like my senior thesis like I tried to invent like a new form of reading it was like this kind of crazy new form of what of reading like oh <laughs> uh, I was trying okay. to do like combining type and image in this font um, yeah. I keep trying to get type designers to to get into it, but everyone says I'm crazy. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think just think of my research. It was like kind of really re revelatory to me to like. I mean, this isn't kind of obvious, but like you know, certain cultures read you know right to left, up and mm -hmm. down. You know, mm -hmm. obviously different shapes mean different things. Like so the semiotics is like very real, um, but it's like totally different. And you you know everywhere you go, so it's like there are these like rules that are taught in graphic design where it's like, you know, you need to put in 10 words in a line or like 15 words in a line. Or right. and it's like, that only makes sense in this sort of cultural context mm -hmm. that we're in here. You know what I mean? Um, so I feel like, yeah, just like understanding that is important. Um, and that there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like a pseudoscience. Like there's no real right way to do any of this stuff. It's more just so just like understanding sociology. In a right yeah in a good, in a, mastering that I think is like extremely important yeah yeah I think um it's interesting you bring up the rules like uh, that's what I think a lot of professors say like okay here are the rules and like you have to know the rules to break the rules but it's still implying that there are these like rules that exist and are limiting you so I I'm I struggle with that statement sometimes yeah, I, I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite books when I was uh, an undergrad was 
and I, cause I had him as a teacher was a uh, Bob Gills. Forget mm. all the rules you ever know. Forget all the rules, you know, about graphic design, including the ones in this book. Like he was like presenting, he was, he presented like graphic design in a very like sort of objective communicative way of like make an interesting statement with the problem, you know, which I think was like really useful for me, but I think like also um, I had my own opinions on it and like would push back on, on certain things that he was thinking. But I think just that understanding that statement, I think is really important where it's like, yeah, it's, this is like a totally fake thing. That's like only yeah, exactly. the form now has only existed for like a hundred something years. I mean, obviously the practice has existed since cave paintings, but like the version that we're in now is like, you know, very new. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that in like five to 10 years, the softwares that we teach now will be completely different? Or I don't do know. Adobe I mean, have like a hold on us forever. I mean, I don't know. Like I've been using Adobe. I mean, in that newsletter I wrote, it's like, I've been using it since I was like, you know, 12 or whatever. And yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a billion, it's worth, you know, like eight billion dollars or so it's it's insanely huge it's like huge it's like basically a monopoly so it's like it's gonna be really hard i think to um change that just because of the way society is structured um i mean like i mentioned in that piece as well that like i use affinity photo because it's does all the same stuff but it's like way faster i mean i think i try i really try to push myself outside of adobe stuff just because it's like a certain point I was like I've hit the wall on all this like I was like there's yeah. nothing else more I can do with these programs like I clicked all the buttons so I think it's yeah so that's why I do like 3d work all feels very new to me and like the learning is like extremely rewarding yeah and when I was doing coding uh it'd be like I'd forget a comma and I'd spend like three hours trying to figure out where I forgot a comma where it's like learning like 3d right. feels more, a lot more like visual like WYSIWYG which I enjoy but I mean I think I mean I always like my favorite people are always ones who are like you know moving outside the boxes doing hand-drawn stuff doing like weird airbrush stuff but it's like it doesn't matter if it's inside or adobe or outside of adobe I think it's just like understanding the tools and like bringing your own perspective to them yeah I, I also wonder with figma the rise of figma and um canva if we will at least for part of graphic design be pushed towards them. I know Canva is quite problematic in some ways, but um, even like Figma for UX designers, like you really can do everything in there and you really don't need to touch Adobe, which I think is is interesting. So I wonder. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like interesting because it's like, I, you know, everyone was like trying to get me to do web design and it's like, I did do websites, but I was like, I didn't enjoy it. And I was kind of bad at it. Um, so it's like, I've never even opened Figma. Like I did a really? little sketch. Yeah. So it's like, and that's what everybody uses. Like everybody's like, yeah. Yeah. and it's like, it seems great. Like I know a lot of people who work there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pro Figma on, you know, at least in theory, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Cause I mean, Adobe, I talked about in the article as well, like really kind of screwed the pooch on like product design apps. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's been cool to see like actual competitive software in that space that's um, like, i don't even yeah. I, I don't even know what canva is you know what i mean like <laughs> and i'm sure it's like probably the most like second most popular ux design software but like yeah it's just not the kind of work that i do just because basically like anyone can design something like that's the canva motto i guess so you know people that aren't designers are are going on canva oh yeah oh cam oh, this is so funny oh yeah it's like highly templated yeah i mean it's kind of interesting because it's like what has been really fascinating to see 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Canva, like, this is, like, how, like, all these, like, Instagram posts happen. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, like, the tools have, like, been extremely democratized in graphic design because it's, like, it was, it used to be, like, pre-computer, you were a graphic designer, you would just, like, literally sketch some boxes and, like, send them to a type designer and then they would actually set all the type, you know? Um, yes, which was, like, crazy to think about. Yeah. And, like, then only in like the you know 80s and 90s like did like you know quark and page maker and you know adobe stuff come along and change all that and like i mean if that stuff's i mean it's fine like i feel like like everyone can be a graphic designer it's great it's fine like i have very um intentionally tried to make my career be so that i have agency over what i do and like people uh ask me to think about stuff it's really hard for people starting out where they just kind of feel like they have no agency and they're like, make this look pretty. Like, you know, you can definitely feel replaceable. Um, yeah. And I still often feel replaceable sometimes with these jobs, but yeah, at the very least people are like asking my opinion on things. And I feel like that's just, that's important to me just to feel like I'm not worthless. <laughs> as a <human>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like another, I guess, piece of this. So did, uh, were you always freelance from undergrad? going or did you have a no yeah so uh I guess my my resume is I graduated I did I did like a ton of internships mm-hmm. in school and then like I did like six or seven internships because wow. I was like uh I didn't have the highest opinion of Parsons at the time <laughs> um, Parsons <laughs> has changed a lot since okay. then um but I mean I, I definitely and I definitely had some teachers that changed my life but yeah my last job was for this guy. My last internship was for this guy, Paul Stare, who's um, a really good graphic designer. And he, yeah, I mean, he's the reason I kind of do any of this stuff, basically, which is um, he would do like New York Times illustrations, book covers. Um, you know, even while I was there, he was getting into music videos and uh, stuff like that. But he was like, kind of, he is like kind of like a poster designer background. But yeah, I mean, through him is like the only reason I got any, like, I didn't know. Yeah, did you go go in knowing anything? No, because it's like, like I would do like a book cover and like book cover design class and I would like get ranked like second to last or something. You know what I mean? Like it was like, (laughs) I didn't know like illustration. Like I didn't, like I still, like I'm not really, my drawing skills are, you know, questionable. You know what I mean? Like in in the classical sense, you know? So it's like, yeah, I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I thought I was going to do logos or something. And yeah, I basically like, he was kind of my mentor. And I was there for a few years and then I left and then I worked at the New York Times for a couple of weeks, basically. And then I went to work at MTV uh, under Richard Turley, who like was that business week before that. Mm-hmm. And that was like all animation stuff, which I'd been doing a lot of animation. I did a lot of animation stuff in college, but I kind of, I didn't stop, but like, I don't know. I, the, the motion graphics industry is like very advertising heavy. And that's not something I like do commercials and music videos. And I just wanted to do music videos. <laughs> I didn't want to do like, you know, Pepto-Bismol commercials or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I basically, but um, MTV was all animation. I really wanted to work with Richard and uh, we hired a bunch of my friends too. And that was really fun. And then I was on my own for a few years after doing that for a few years. And then I worked at Google for a couple of years. And then that was my last job. I've been doing this for like, two years now so it's like I basically like have a job for a few years do my own thing for a few years I kind of go back and forth but um yeah. 
yeah I mean it's hard doing your own thing um yeah but yeah I mean it's like if I worked at Google I wouldn't feel like safe in my like little financial net even my Google financial net you know what I mean so it's like um yeah I um the part of the reason I ask is at least so I am freelance now but um was not before this and I was always afraid to make that jump or that leap I was only working also for like a handful of years but what in the spaces where I was a designer um I was always the only woman which I tell people that and they're like kind of surprised um <laughs> but that I, I yeah I've never had you know a female boss or anything like that and I worked at like four or five different companies and I even worked in fashion for like two of my jobs um and I just wondered if you had a similar experience where there weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity. Um, there's obviously not a lot of diversity in terms of people of color, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I totally understand the female experience. No, I mean, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because I mean, I keep saying the word interesting here, but it's not, it's not interesting. It's, it's a bad thing where in <laughs> school, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, don't quote me on the numbers, but it's like 70%, 80% yeah. women, right? Yeah. In art school and like design yeah. school. I was definitely, in the, the only time I've ever been a minority was, you know, as a straight white guy um, in art school. But I think, yeah, and then you get on the route in, you know, the job market and it totally shifts, right? It's, it feels like very male driven. And um, yeah, I mean, it's awful. Like, I mean, I, well, I won't say any specific stories here, but like, mm-hmm you know, there's women above me who are extremely good at their jobs, who are way better designers than the men level one, two, three, four above them. And then like, they would, you know, be told to like smile more and like passed over for promotions. And it's just like, it was awful. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. There's like, if there's a better way of putting it. No, yeah. um, and I think, you know, there's the reason for that is, you know, runs deep in our society. Um, mm-hmm. I write, I write about it sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's what I don't I'm, know if it's like yeah. necessarily for me to write about, but like, I, you know, try to speak out. No, I, I think, yeah. People. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I asked is because I did see section that you wrote on like, um, groups that were like more focused on highlighting designers of color and female designers. Um, but basically saying, you know, that's a start, but not quite enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think a lot of that was like a reaction to, I think maybe what you were even getting talking about in the beginning of this was like, in terms of design history is like very white male and Swiss and modernist, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously like only one side of the story. You know what I mean? Like I remember, yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind of always wanted to go back because I was taught uh, Meg's history of graphics design. Mm-hmm. Um, this white guy who is now yeah, passed know, away, yeah. which is like a good book, but I think uh he yeah there's like you know like asia gets like a paragraph you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like latin american design gets a paragraph you know it's, it's really not the whole story um and i think yeah like love like wb dubois was like a pioneer in infographics you know what i mean yeah. like i'd rush my learn about him doing infographics and edward tufty you know so the, what's out there now is like pretty lacking i think yeah I guess I, I just have one last question for you if you unless you need to go here. Yeah, I'm, I got I got time. I don't know. Okay. What do you find as the most 
like pressing issues facing the field of design today? And do you even really think of kind of, do you think of graphic design as like one thing anymore? Or do you think that it's broken so much into so many different disciplines that it shouldn't even be like looked at as one? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, there's, there's a lot there. I think, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I think there's a, there's two questions there. Um, yeah. In terms of like problems with graphic design, I think it's kind of what I try to write about a lot in terms of like, cause I mean, I, my experience is very much, um, I am, I do come from like a European background, but I'm an American, like I'm born mm -hmm. and raised here and like seeing capitalism and like what the system that it's, that's built and that it's like, you know, there's this American dream of like everyone having equal opportunities, but that not being really true. And like, um, sort of in terms of income inequality and like, um, you know, failures in terms of like healthcare and, uh, you know, infrastructure, I think, and, you know, politics, um, you know, watching America and the rest of the world kind of slide into fascism. I mean, I think uh, capitalism, I mean, excuse me, graphic design, I think, plays a role in all that. I think uh, maybe it's not the biggest role, but I think it is, there is a role in terms of um, how graphic design promotes capitalism and things of that nature, uh, which I think also connects to your second question in terms of like, I've been, it's something, defining graphic design is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, just with the class I just taught. And um, mm -hmm. I wanna do, I do wanna write a newsletter about it, but it's a really big question because, you know, I, at Pratt, I teach communication design, which is split into two, which is graphic design and illustration. Uh, but I'm someone who comes from a graphic design background, but I work primarily as an illustrator. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I don't really see much of a difference between the two. I just think about, it's all about sort of communicating with images. Like, so I've been, I don't know if I've like landed on this term, but like tried to call myself like an image maker. You know what I mean? I just get hired to make images or mm -hmm. I just like making images in my free time. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think, uh, but then there's also this, this is all very half formulated. So just ride with me here. Like there's also, I think about graphic design in two sections, which is kind of like the image makers, like content makers. And then there's like system designers um, where it's like, you know, doing stuff in Figma where you're like trying to, there's, you know, the, figure out the UX um, or like, you know, even something like figuring out like hospital signage or something, or like, you know, a voting form, which is like that. I feel like um, the political aspect of that is like very obvious and like, where it's just like making things easier for people, you know, making, you know, improvements to society through, um, through like journeys or I don't know what the right word for that is, but you know, through experience basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think graphic design has like, is always expanding with the technology. Um, but I think, yeah, it's much more about how we communicate and understanding the context of communication. Um, and then I think, yeah, I think the biggest problem is that um, graphic designers not understanding who and what it is that they're communicating for and um, what it is that they're promoting with their work, you know, like, um, but it's like, you know, at the same time, 
it's hard for us to even stop and think and question those things. You know, I think it takes a lot of privilege to be able to like even take pause. Cause you were just talking about how, like, you're only thinking about this now that you're in grad school, mm-hmm. you probably spent a lot of money or something, spent some time to like get to grad school. So now you can kind of stop and think about it. But before then you were working, right? Like you were mm-hmm. like, you're like, I got to live. Yeah. I got to get clients. Like, yeah, I can't like have these like hours long conversations with my clients, like about like, <laughs> you know, you got to just fucking pay the bills. So it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, there's no, there's no perfect solution or answer to any of this, but I think, um, just constantly questioning it and thinking about it and, uh, you know, talking, I mean, I really care. Like one thing that's great about teaching and like doing this writing stuff is that, um, like I used to care about the opinions of like people that were above me. Now I just like care about like opinions of people like you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like students and stuff where it's like, I just want them to be thinking about stuff so they can like maintain that into their quote unquote professional career. Um, yeah. Into like, you know, the next stage, next stages of like being a working designer. Um, because yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Well, I won't I won't take up any more of your time, but cool. Um, thank you so much. This was really great. I love All it. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Have a good uh, Have a good rest of your evening. You too. Cool. Thanks, Grace. This episode of Design Is Not Neutral was recorded on February twentieth, twenty twenty two, at four o'clock p.m. If you enjoyed this episode, please check us out at Design Is Not Neutral on Instagram. Thank you.